Um, I want to actually start, I'm talking tonight on living faith and I actually just wanted to share with you something that happened on Monday for me um, as a little bit of a testimony of, of how faith kind of can come to life. But um, Monday I dropped the kids off to school, first day of school, everything's, yeah, it was all exciting, you know, they were really excited to be at school so I was in a really good mood and I knew that I had to go and buy a new war clock. So I, you know, just park the car where I can, I'm walking down the street and I think, yep, there's a, I don't want to actually, now I don't want to name the store or the person I was speaking to because I think that's a little unfair. But anyway, I walk past this store, I see a clock, it's fantastic, they're shut. Okay, I've got to go down to the haberdashery, so off I go down to the haberdashery, I come back and it's open and I walk in. And you know, the clock's at the front here, the gentleman is at the back, I walk straight to the clock and looking at the clock and he says, how are you going? And I said, I'm really well, thanks. How are you? And then he said, I'll be great in 10 seconds. And you know, you just think, yeah, okay. But being polite, oh, why is that? And then I tell you, what an attack did I get? It started off quite um, innocently. He was telling me about all of these um, things that he takes to purify the river of life that is running through his body. And um, I don't want to, I mean, it's hard to tell the whole story, but I'll try to be succinct. The, um, the fact that we have vaccinations and medicines, they are basically pure poison. And so he takes something that purifies what he calls the river of life. Um, and he's, that runs through his body and did I know all of these things and I said that's really fascinating actually and I truly was interested I thought that's really interesting and I started having a little conversation with him and then he has I have met this man before I have spoken to him and I've had an idea that he's spiritual of some sort and he said to me um, the creator has created our bodies in such a way and we've poisoned them and, and so I thought oh, I'm going to pick up on that why not I said oh, I know the creator really well I'm a Christian oh Okay, well, and then he says to me, um, <laughs> I was a Pentecostal pastor, um, but I've gone back to my Jewish heritage. He started off as being um, Greek Orthodox, I think. Then he was Pentecostal pastor. Then he's gone to, he's back to his Jewish heritage. And so he was then wanting to remind me that the church has been lying to me for years about different facets of the Bible. So um, things like, the fact that Jesus, actually he was using Yeshua and the Messiah. He was using terminology that most people don't use. So not even us, we don't call Jesus Yeshua on an everyday basis. So he was saying all of this and he was saying that Yeshua was an alchemist. Now I am not a scientist, I kind of wish Tim or Danny were here tonight <laughs> because they're science minded. I am not science minded at all. So um, an alchemist, if you don't know, is somebody who um, changes um, elements to do different things. So um, nanoparticles of gold can be changed to um, operate very differently in different circumstances. And he was referring to the fact that Jesus was an alchemist. Why did Moses um, become a king? Why did Moses become um, who he was? Why did he go to Egypt? What was the purpose of him being there? Do you know these things? He was really pushing hard, really questioning me. I actually felt quite scared for it. Not scared, but I felt, oh my gosh, I'm not an arguer. I 
I get flustered. I don't recall things in the Bible when I'm really flustered. Um, but he was really pushing and pressuring me. And, and I said, you tell me why Moses went to Egypt, you know. I'm sure you're going to. And he said, well, because he had to bring the alchemy back that had been lost in Egypt. And, and then he was talking about on Mount Sinai, they, the church also don't want you to know that there are seven white priests that were up there. And um, do you know why the letter G is so important, or the number seven is so important? Well, it's because the G is the seventh letter in the alphabet and I had no idea. I said to him, I don't even know why you're saying that. And he said, well, because the Masonists have a, a, an emblem or a symbol with a seven and a G. And so it just was this, this, an hour of this stuff. I wasn't laughing. I was really upset. I, you know, I, I'm not a debater. I really am not. And if my brother or I think maybe someone like Tim, who are both science-minded and really great arguers, were there, you know, it would have been fantastic. But it was just little old me. And I'm praying the whole time, God, what do I say to this man? Because he is so completely blinded by this rubbish. And he said to me, um, you know, if you take some of these nanoparticles of, of some of these elements, you'll remember the Bible from the beginning to the end. Don't you want that? Like, as a Christian, wouldn't you want that? And I just said to him, actually, if I had a choice between that and showing God's love to other people that need God's love, the love that he's given to me, I'd much prefer that and, I'd, and I wouldn't worry about remembering the Bible. So they're the smallest things that I could say to him and I don't feel like I won any battle with him but I ran away from there and I literally jumped in the car and drove as fast as... No, actually I didn't drive as fast as I could. I I got in the car and I drove to the office. I raced into the office and I I was visibly upset and Greg and Mary were in the office. I said, oh, where's Andy? And they said, oh, he's not here yet. And I was really cranky then because I desperately was needing to run to prayer. I was desperate for Andy to pray for me because I feel like, and it's an absolute guarantee, that I was under attack. That this man was completely blinded by Satan and that he was trying, Satan was trying to do something to me through somebody who was really good with words, really knew his Bible, was really smart trying to sway my faith, trying to sway the belief that I had in God. So I knew that I had been completely swined and I needed prayer. And Andy, I found Andy. I was a bit cross to start with. (laughs) But then I followed him around, you know, he had to go and have a shower. He'd had a walk. I had to follow him around and wait on the bed until he was finished. I wasn't moving. I was not moving until Andy had prayed for me and for this guy. And what a great example for me, talking about living faith tonight, what a great example, the fact that I, I ran as fast as I could get there to prayer and to God. And maybe I could have done it on my own, but I really felt like I needed the, the wisdom and the um, just to be with a, a, yes, he's my husband, but just to be with a brother in Christ to pray for me and to pray against that. But not only that, unbeknownst to this gentleman, praying for him, you know. So it doesn't just stop at me being upset because I'm upset about him being blinded or I'm upset about him attacking my Jesus, my God. We got to pray for him. And goodness knows what's going to happen. Every time we walk past that shop, we feel like there's, you know, angels 
doing something pretty spectacular. So I just wanted to share that with you as a, you know, the way my week started. <laughs> and it just got better from there, actually. But let me read from you. Now, we don't have the projector, so let me read. No, but that was my way of saying that. I'll just read it. Yes, sit down. It doesn't work. <laughs> 1 Peter, chapter 1, and it's actually from 3 to um, about 12, I read. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, even nanoparticles, though your faith is far more precious than that mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. I'll leave it there. I, wanted, I mean, you, how can we not read that and feel like you just want to run into life with God on your side? Really, that is just such an encouraging passage. And it doesn't, it doesn't say that it's going to end here in this book. You know, it goes on to say that you'll experience, um, you know, you'll be with great expectation. Your inheritance, which you haven't received yet, but you will do, he's saying he's promising this great inheritance for you. And it's a living thing, our faith. It doesn't decay like things that have died. It's still living. We can see that... Um, Peter's really trying to point to us, point us to a living faith. And I, again, I just feel like that makes my soul feel alive, makes it come alive. But show of hands here, who feels truly alive when you're going through a trial? Who feels pure joy? No, not, no one, really. It's taken me years, I think, and I'm sure that there are people here who would say the same that when you go through times of trial, you get to the other side and you think, Damn, I knew that was a trial. Why didn't I react differently and learn a lesson that God might have wanted to teach me? Because now I'm going to go through the same trial again. You know, I think that all the time. But I think with time and I think with maturity, we do actually recognise our trials and we recognise that God is refining us at the time of our trials and just... It would just be beautiful if like gold that's refined by fire by a craftsman to remove all of the impurities, he doesn't do it constantly, he does it once. Wouldn't it be awesome if that was us, if that we were refined once only 
But that's not true. That's not, that's not our life. That's not what it's like. God has to be um, refining us in such a way for our, our um, brilliance to shine, just like Karen was praying. I just want to um, quickly have a little look at um, gold. You know, I think how precious my children think um, riches are. But they're no different to great people like wise King Solomon. You know, that fantastic temple that he built that was beautiful. It was took 20 years in the making, inside and out. There would have been a lot of hours. There would have been lives lost. There would have been souls destroyed in the building of that temple. And then yet comes along Nebuchadnezzar and it's gone. Our faith lives on through our trials. And I think God's hope and our hope, I'm sure everybody's hope for one another here, is that through each of our trials, that beyond the trial, that your hope in God is still, your faith in God is still alive, that he hasn't left you. We're in 2017 and the faith of people at the start of the Bible, at the start of time, generations and generations, Their faith has lived on. It lives on through us. I think how important it is, the heritage that I have. I've got a Christian heritage and the importance of that Christian heritage. It hasn't been lost. So gold is destructible, but our faith is not. For generations, faith has been held on to and it remains pure. So if we've got this faith that's worth more than gold and it is a living faith, then how do we make it come to life? Like what does that really look like? Um, I was meeting with Rachel uh, Hodge and I know that she would not mind me sharing this with you. This is Luke's Rachel, by the way. Um, When Maya, I don't know if most of you know, but um, a lot of you would. Maya was having a febrile convulsion again on uh, Tuesday, I think it was. And it had been six months since the previous convulsion. And Rachel has been incredibly anxious because Maya had had two of these. And each time when, you have, when the child has one, they have fits, they stop breathing. And it's very scary. It must, I've never been through it, but it must be incredibly scary. So for six months, we'd been praying as a Bible study group about it. And she hadn't had one. And then she had one on Tuesday. And I know that she won't mind me sharing this, but when Maya was having her febrile convulsion, the first thing, the very first thing, and I only know this because Erica told me, that Rachel did was to lay hands on Maya and pray. That's living out faith. That's bringing our faith to life. If Rachel had just only just kind of called the ambulance, gone into a spin and not even thought about it. Um, You know, perhaps that would happen in an emergency when your mind is, you know, just going a little bit crazy as a mother. But isn't it fantastic to hear that our faith is so alive that that's the first thing Rachel turned to was prayer. That's living out faith and hope in God. Um... Maybe I, sh- uh, I wasn't really going to, but maybe I'll share this one with you. Just, I really just want to give you an idea of what it looks like for faith to come to life because I think that we do struggle with that a little bit. We do get really, um, Amanda said it beautifully, we take for granted the hope that we have and we don't necessarily, when things are going rough for us, however big 
For Abby's family, it's huge at the moment. For you, it might be deciding what to do with your day. Your trials, though large or small, are trials to you and they mean a lot to God. Um, where was I going with that point? I just I want to try and show you that there is a real way for you to live your faith, to make it quite a living faith. Um, it would be awesome if we all turned to prayer the moment something was happening in our life that was difficult. But I think we do, we do forget. Um, there was a song, Cornerstone, and in the words um, of one of the verses it said, um, you might have to help me, Amanda, it says, before you, even, you give us what we need before we even ask for it, or something like that. Oh, good, good father. Okay. Um, I may have shared this before with you. Andy and I went on the John Muir Trail a number, uh, quite a number of years ago and um, we hadn't packed short story. We hadn't packed enough food. And so we were literally running out of food. Um, I didn't really pray. I, I, you know, I may have had a very small conversation with God, but I didn't ask God specifically for these things that he provided us with. But we were running very low on fuel for our bodies and we were very tired. And, um, you know, we could have just kept asking people for food. We could have done that. Somebody offered us a little bit of food, but we could, could have kept asking. But we didn't necessarily do that. We came to what was called um, really large bear bins. Inside the bear bins is where you put your things when you camp at night time because the bears steal everything from you. So um, they are left um, completely empty and if you put anything in them, the rangers, or leave anything in them, the rangers come and take them away and leave you a note to say, please come and get it. So as we pass these, I think God's telling me to go look inside one. I open it up and it's empty. I think, ah, of course, why would... Why, why, would, why would that happen? Why would that, you know, a miracle happen to us on this walk? But I really felt like God just said to me, trust me, trust, 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 trust me. So we walked to the next one and I walked very slowly to the next one. Andy actually got there first and I thought, oh, I don't want to be disappointed in you, God. Andy opened it and right there were the things that I had thought about but hadn't voiced. And also the things that Andy needed that he hadn't voiced either. And I want to be able to, um, I want to be able, I, I can't sell God to anybody and I can't sell faith to anybody and you guys have faith. But I want your faith to be so strong that you know that whatever you need, that whatever, whatever you don't even know that you need, God is going to provide that for you. And it might look different for each person. But if we forget to surrender, if we forget to fall on our knees and lift our arms in prayer, in request and repetition, that's not living out our faith. I, I truly believe that it being in constant relationship and communication with God, you'll do that just like Andy said this morning, you know, muscles need exercise in order to build up to be built up and prayer is the same. So when we're facing trials and when we're being really refined through our trials, falling to our knees with our arms lifted high, you're going to see your faith come to life. But it's not just for you. It doesn't end there. It's for others to see the brilliant shine of God in your life. 
and just go, wow, what is that? So you might be facing something and you might be talking to friends about it, but your response might not be, oh, well, you know, if uh, the universe declares that that's going to happen for me, then so, so be it. Your response might be, you know, God's got a real plan for me and I'm going to seek God. And you might just even see that brilliant shine reflected in your friend. There's a, um, a really beautiful picture that I think God gave me for today. A lot of people will tell you that as you're walking through trials, and it might be like really, really large thorns on either side of you, whatever it might look like, you get to a cliff's edge. And quite often, I've heard this in my life, people say, you just need to take a step of faith because God's going to catch you. That may be true sometimes, but I think for today that God's given me this to say to you. When you get to the cliff's edge, turn around. I'm going to walk with you and with the authority that I have in your life and the faith that you have with me, we're going to walk back through and past all of that and what awaits you on the other side is something that is even more beautiful than when you started. And there's another, I'm all about pictures tonight, I'm sorry, I'm a picture person. There is another picture, Matt, I don't know if you can put it on the screen if that actually works. And this was the picture that Rachel Hodge, oh it might not work, that Rachel Hodge shared with me and shared with Andy as well. And it shows so beautifully what living faith is. And it's on your knees with your arms lifted high and above you is a whole host of God's army going in the direction of your prayers. I, I won't be able to describe it as best as you're going to see it on the screen, hopefully. Uh, okay. But it's just a beautiful illustration that God hears our prayers, that it's, they're not, they don't go into the ether and they're not dead. Guys, let's think about our friends and our family who don't know God. Maybe that lady that came in before. What do they do when they get to the edge of the cliff? Where do they go? Who do they have to help them? We do take for granted, I think, our faith. And wouldn't it be awesome if you could see the change in people's lives around you if they could turn around and walk with authority and strength and hope back through their problems and their trials. Oh, it's tiny, but can you see that? That there's this dimension when we're on our knees in prayer. We're not praying, oh, you know, you were there for Moses, God, and um, I guess you're probably not going to be there for me, but, you know, if you are, it's not like that. Lord Almighty, this is the trial I'm going through. Send your angels. Send me help. Lord, please strengthen me. But, you know, it's a be- just a beautiful picture of what's happening in heaven. It's a beautiful picture, I think, of living faith, of knowing that, God is going to be there to answer your prayers, to walk with you through the trials. Oh, awesome.
what you can't see at the very corner, there's a part of the painting and it's... What, yeah. Oh, please do. At the um, the corner of the painting, and uh, you can own, I can only just see it, and you may not be able to. But there is a red dragon, and so that's that may not be that may not be. Oh, that's definitely the evil one. But you know, your trials could be sent from Satan to crush your faith, to crush the hope that you have in Jesus. And they're marching full course, aren't they? Really steadily towards whatever that prayer, wherever those prayers are needing to go, they're going there. And I just really want you to be encouraged. I just wanted tonight particularly to be me trying to encourage you that your faith is not dead, that your faith is a living faith and that it's been for generations. People have had this faith and it's never died or it's never been, um, it's not destructible like gold is destructible. Your faith is indestructible.